Allen Robinson is still a great receiver, and I hope that he returns to the Chicago Bears, which is a tweet that I put out on Wednesday morning, and I told all of you Tuesday night that I was going to do it. I was going to go out. I was going to do it, and the tweet, I will be honest, uh, is a little bit of a humble brag here. Did very well. Not only did it get 3,000 likes, one of those likes was Allen Robinson himself, and I don't want to sit here and kind of humble brag about Allen Robinson following me, following me on Twitter, but he does, and he liked it, and I don't know if he liked the fact that I was complimenting him. Maybe he does want to return to the Chicago Bears. I'm still going to be hopeful that he can have a reconciliation with the Bears. I think when you look at the landscape of the wide receiver position, you look at a lot of the guys that got franchise tagged, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, a lot of guys, Devonta Adams, obviously, a lot of players that people were hopeful to be on the Bears list. Even Michael Gallup looks like he is going to return to the Dallas Cowboys at some point. So it means there's a very limited, very limited availability for wide receivers. And to have a guy like Allen Robinson and just dismiss him because of what happened with Matt Nagy seems far too short-sighted for me. And I hope that, again, Allen Robinson returns to the Chicago Bears because I do believe he is a great receiver. And with that, Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Welcome to the Sick Podcast. It's me, Adam Rank. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And uh, we got a great guest lined up for you this afternoon, this evening, whenever. Uh, this isn't a live show. So whenever you're listening to it, you could be on your morning jog. I don't know. I don't know your life. But here's the thing. We got a great show planned for you today. I did want to take an opportunity right now to kind of look over the quarterback carousel that has been evolving in the NFL. Now, Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. We knew that was going to be the case. Russell Wilson has left the NFC. He is now a member of the Denver Broncos. That's cool. One of the things that stood out to me, though, is that the Washington Commandos, Commandos, Commanders, Commandos, Command, whatever, who the football team, whatever, they traded for Carson Wentz, a player that the Bears were purportedly interested in last year. And I don't know, I forget what, the, whatever they paid, it was too much. Whatever the cap hit is, is way too much. And I do want to say this. Even though we still have questions about whether Justin Fields is going to be an NFL quarterback or not, or an elite level NFL quarterback, it's nice to be able to walk into this offseason being like, yeah, we don't have to worry about this. We don't have to worry about being involved in Jimmy Garoppolo rumors, worried about, hey, is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to be our quarterback? Is it going to be Carson Wentz? Are we trading for people? Is it Nick Foles? Is it Andy Dalton? Like, it is so nice to at least have that taken care of. And I think with Justin Fields, it's like when you go to Disneyland and your parking's already paid for, your tickets are already bought before you get there. You just pull into that parking structure. And by the way, never. When the, when they when you get off the freeway, and I'm sorry, this is for an audience of like four people. When you get off the freeway and it says theme parking this way, go the other way. Because they're still going to direct you to the theme, car, theme park parking. But you go around towards the hotel, make a right, you'll be right there. But listen, that's the show for another day. Right now, though, 
I want to bring on our guest. Uh, our guest joining us here today, all the way from Great Britain. You might know him from the Tape Never Lies Network. You might know him from the comment section here. The other night, he was trying to go toe-to-toe with Brian Perez. They were trying to exchange blows on this, but it is George Bayless, the world-famous Berlissimo. Dude, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Very pleased to be on here. So I'm um, looking forward to it. It's uh, it all bears all the time for me as far as I'm concerned. So whether it's, uh, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon, 10 o'clock at night, two o'clock in the morning, you normally find me on here um, uh, commenting, as you've seen, uh, being involved because uh, this is what it's all about for me is this time of year. I mean, the off season, there isn't really an off season. It's there's plenty of tech to dig into. There's free agency. There's what rookies you've brought in, how they're going to fit the scheme, you know, the scheme change, the regime change. There's so much to talk about, and uh, I love doing it. So thank you for having me on with you to uh, to do it today. Well, we're thrilled to have you here on our show. And what was up with you and Brian the other night? Because I I saw bits and pieces. I'm I'm directing the ship. You guys were like children in the back of a minivan. I was almost to the point of having to pull over. To separate you two, what, was there was there something? Was there a miscon? Were we misconstruing no. it? What happened? No, no. I mean, the way I look at it, Adam, is is when I'm talking to someone who's like, for example, NFL Network with yourself, or the, a professional football writer who talks about the game um, all the time. I'm not going to judge their takes the same way as I would a random person on Twitter that has, uh, shall we say, a nature or a meathead or whatever you want to, whatever euphemism you want to use. I'm not going to judge them on the same level because I expect better from yeah. someone who does it all the time. So with Brian, Brian writes for the Draft Network. He's, he's worked with NBC, as you mentioned on the show. A um, lot of respect for what he does and, and the work that he's put in to get to where he is today. But when you start talking in circles and sitting on the fence and, and you know, sort of non-committal responses, and then you start talking sort of generalizations about Justin Fields' throwing motion without making any reference to what it is you're talking about Justin Fields' throwing motion, which to my mind suggests you don't know what you're talking about with Justin Fields' throwing motion. So there was that, and he was talking about Josh Allen. He got confused about Josh Allen. I was talking about Justin Fields. There's a time difference. I'm I'm in the future, you know, five, six yeah. hours ahead, or nine in your case, and uh, Brian was a little bit behind on that. But obviously he's responding to you, seeing the chat and maybe grabbing the wrong end of the straw. And that's all it was. It's, uh, it's no biggie. I'm sure we would be able to shake hands if we were there in person and enjoy each other's company talking about the bears. So it's all good. 100%. I didn't, I didn't believe there was legitimate heat or anything like that. I don't know how anybody could ever be mad at you, but uh, what do you, well, what about Justin Fields? How, where do you come mm. down on it? What is the issue? What is the issue with this throwing motion that everybody was talking about? It, it's to do with psychology. Psychology affects mechanics. So the, the, you know yourself, for example, if you are going to NFL Network, you jump on the freeway and it's full of traffic, um, mm-hmm. your car starts to overheat, you, you're starting to get angry, etc. Um, people are putting pressure on you. There's a, a fight up ahead of you. You're running late for a meeting, etc. All this stress piles up on you and you can't just turn up the other end, flick a switch, and be cool, calm, and collected. It's no different for a quarterback. When a quarterback is in chaos with the the monkey calling the shots from the <laughs> sideline, who doesn't really understand what they're doing, has no idea about you know situational football. It likes plays, but not players, and putting players in good positions. So, as a rookie QB coming into a situation where the offensive line was not in a great state, 
they're having to process the same level of information as he is, but he's a rookie and he has to know everyone's jobs. So whilst the wide receiver might be forgiven for you know running the wrong route, uh, you know a blocker might be forgiven for not taking the right zone block. Justin Fields has to be accountable for everyone doing their job, plus him processing as well at the same time what he's seeing pre-snap, what he's seeing post-snap, and making the right decisions. For me, in the chaos that he was in, he performed admirably. Then you watch him at Ohio State, you watch the production, you watch his percentage of completions. He was pushing the ball downfield for much further than the average QB in, you know, yeah. in the Big Ten in the SEC. He was the one that was pushing the ball down the field. Better completion percentage. Yeah, he's got great receivers, but he's throwing great receivers open. He's got Jeremy Rucker, who you know was just known as a, a passing tight end, a, a blocking tight end, yeah. catching you know six, seven touchdowns a season. The guy is, and he has been since high school, all about the game, all about progression, all about improving himself. I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So for me, there's there's lots of things to be encouraged about. Some of the throws he made last year in chaos. Uh, and they were. I mean, you look at that one to Jesse James where he rolls left, <laughs> he throws literally across his body. That was an absolute laser. The one to Adam Robinson the, running the post on the yeah. sideline, 55 yards downfield. Absolute dot. So no worries about his mechanics from my point of view. There was a worry about the level of processing that was being put on him by his, cube, by his quarterbacks coach and, and head coach and play caller, master of everything and, um, well, boss of everything, master of none. Uh, Matt Nagy, who has now gone. So, you know, Luke gets, he calls the plays. He's got a head coach. He's just worried about head coaching. You've got um, an offensive line coach. who's now just worried about pushing people off the line of scrimmage and protecting the QB. Um, not having a massive volume of play, voluminous playbook to have to remember every single play. I think, you know, it's looking rosy for Justin Fields. So I'm, I have lots of reason for positivity. He is someone who's going to improve every single year. I agree with that 100%. And, you know, I, I think of the, 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 the Jesper Horstead play as well. Mm. I think it was against the Raiders. Like another throw, like, what do you do? Oh, okay, yeah, that, that works. Like, the, it made sense. It's not like he's just throwing a blind dart, but he can see things that a lot of people aren't seeing. When he gives, when he's given an opportunity to perform well, then he's going to go out there and do it. And I think the fun thing too, something that you touched on about like being able to discern whose opinion you need to be concerned with. Yeah. And I was, you know, I've honestly, like, it's 50-50 now of people who, who are like, well, the Bears need a quarterback, whether you're getting blocked or not, whether you follow me or not, uh, there's a good chance you're going to get blocked just for that utter nonsense. And I will look at it, too. I, I did have a point, but I was, uh, the one thing, oh, somebody, oh, you know what? Somebody, here's what, here's again, like, here's when you know you don't need to pay attention to somebody's comment. Like, well, Amari Cooper wouldn't work, you know, because the Bears have a running quarterback. I'm like, I, who is the running quarterback on the Bears? Point to, point to the player. We have a pocket passer who's yeah. fast. It's yeah. a lot. Just because he's fast doesn't mean that he's a run-first quarterback. Anything but. Well, the thing that makes me laugh is the same people that are saying he's a run-first quarterback are the same ones that are complaining he's holding on to the ball too long trying to get <laughs> something downfield. So which is yeah. it? Is he, is he holding <laughs> onto the ball, looking to pass downfield, or is he looking to run with the ball at the first sight of green space? It, it, it's not both, is it? And, and what you need to do is to is to try and widen your perspective. So yeah, by all means, have an opinion. Try and make it an informed opinion. And if you don't have the skills to do that yourself, then find somewhere where you can get that resource. You can learn. There's loads of coaching videos on YouTube. Yeah. Go and watch one. If you want to learn about the position, 
ask someone a question who actually coaches that position. You will learn something. It will make the game more enjoyable for you. It will make your tweets probably more enjoyable for people reading them. Just a suggestion. 100%. Yeah, just learn a little bit more. I know it's fun to sit there at Buffalo Wild Wings and just throw out random <laughs> observations that you think are pertinent. And the, the millennial sitting next to you sipping a Michelob Ultra might find you funny. The rest of us, not so much. But when we talk about Justin Fields, I, obviously one of the biggest keys for this offseason. And what I've really liked with the Bears' approach is that it's all about Justin Fields. It's all about surrounding him with the proper talent. And not and that's just not necessarily that the wide receiver position. It's on the offensive line. So, George, if you were sitting there and you were running the team and you're Ryan Poles, and I know that, you know, every it, it's never going to work out perfectly – what would be your attack approach heading into this offseason? Free agency is upon us. Do you think mm. that they go wide receiver at free agency? Do they focus heavily on the offensive line? Or is it a combination of both? So you can never fix everything from free agency. There just simply isn't the cash. There isn't the cap. There isn't the players available. Um, it, that's the simplicity of it, is you can't fix every single potential issue that you might have in free agency. Firstly, you know, there are players that have done well on a different team. Does what they were doing on that team translate to what you're doing as a team? So that's going to be the approach that Ryan Poles is going to be looking at. He's going to be saying to Getze, he's going to be saying, okay, so what type of blockers did you have at Green Bay? How does it make your scheme work? What what worked well for Justin Fields at Ohio State? What do their blockers look like? You know, what type of scheme is it we're running? Are we running RPO? Are we running West Coast? Are we running a hybrid of the two? You know, that sort of run-pass option with West Coast flood zones levels. What kind of receivers do we need to fit that? What kind of tight end? So these are the questions that they will have already done. They'll have a shopping list. And then you've got to look at free agency. And you say, you look at the left tackle market. It's There's a dearth of talent there. There's, there's nothing that you would want to pay $15, $16 million for yeah, to run Armstead. Fantastic player three, four years ago. Lots of question marks last three or four years. Um, you know, and the guy's getting older. So do you want to commit, you know, $15 million there, fourteen, or do you want to get a, 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 like a raft of wide receivers? Wide receivers are very deep. There's lots of running backs that are available. There's lots of linebackers that are available. Um, safety market doesn't look too bad. So you look at where the depth is. Interior offensive line is better in free agency than the tackle spot is. So we, we have two young tackles. Are they the answer or do we need to get a um, someone we know is who is at least serviceable. Your Jason Peters was serviceable last year. You know, do you look at bringing Jason Peters back as a player, coach, mentor type role? These are all questions to ask. But generally speaking, if you've got someone that's worked in the system, so let's say Sean McVay, Rams offense, lots of West Coast option sort of based offense. Sean McVay obviously coming from the, the same tree that you know um, San Francisco, the uh, Shanahan. Uh, type offense right. so that kind of fits in with what Getsy does like not what Getsy knows uh, and so if you've got a Rams offensive lineman that works well in the Rams offense he might well translate here if you've got um Green Bay tight end and wide receivers that know the system that you're doing and how you want to run routes it might be a good idea to look to poach one or two of them or other players you know that you know can do that type of thing so that's what the, it will be but it's a case of you know where is the depth in free agency? Because the more depth, more supply, less demand is better for you when you're purchasing. You get more bang for your buck. So, you know, it's it's like if you if you desperately need batteries and there's only one battery available, you're gonna pay whatever cost it is to have it right. if you wanna have if you want it to work. And at the end of the day, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. So you've got to spend wisely and you've got to also look at where the draft value is 
Um, so for me, free agency, wide receivers, interior offensive line, maybe a linebacker or two. Um, three tech defensive linemen, there's a, few, there's a few of those available. So that's where I would sort of look at. But you're going to get probably three or four starter level with the money and then the rest is going to be competing for starters. So, you know, when you're looking at running an offense, West Coast variant, you're looking to have probably three receivers on the field at any one time, all the way up to five. Now, what do you already have on the roster? Darnell Mooney. Okay. Well, we need some we need some work there. What do we what do we have? Jesper Horstead and his restricted free agency deal. And right. um, we've got Cole Komet. Well, we probably need some depth there then. There's some good tight ends out there. I know you like Gerald Everett. I like Gerald Everett as well. He's yeah. out there. So that's where you look at where the value is in free agency. You also look at the draft as to where that's deep with talent. Um, wide receiver is a really good spot for, for, the, for the draft, as is interior O-line, as is linebacker. Uh, they're all really good spots, and there's some good corners as well this year, um, although maybe not you know the big names right at the top, but good depth. So that's what you, you look at, and that's where you try and get the value from. Yeah, it feels like a, a fortunate situation for the Bears that the, the most the – most- uh, positions with depths are the Bears' positions of need. It's a terrible year for quarterbacks, so it's nice that the Bears don't have to worry about that this season and watching the Commanders go out there and, and pay for for uh, Carson Wentz. That was almost our problem. Like, I don't know. Every day, I'm just so amazed that we did not run into that problem. Like, how did we avoid getting Carson Wentz? Because it seemed like such a Bears move uh, over the last couple of years. But if you're attacking free agency – uh, yeah. Who are some of the names? Like, who are some of the guys? Like, Teron Armstead. I don't know. Maybe I'm drawn into the into the brand names, so I'm going to have to rethink uh, my approach there. But who are some of the the better offense or just some of the better targets for the Bears, uh, free agent wise? So one of the key ones is a guy we need to retain, which is which is James Daniels. I mean, everyone's yeah. basically saying the same thing. We're all singing from the same hymn sheet, it seems there. James Daniels is a must for me because any guy that can take Aaron Donald one-on-one and, mm-hmm. and more than hold his own, which James Daniels has done not once, not twice, but three times that he's played him, um, he's really done well against him. So anyone that you, you know you can rely upon one-on-one to block Aaron Donald. It's probably a pretty good guy to have, especially when he's like 24, coming up to 25 years old. That's probably a good idea for you. Um, with with positional versatility, centre and guard. So he's a must for me. Um, if you're looking at some other guys, uh, like uh, Alex Kappa, played next to Ryan Jensen on the Tampa Bay scheme. You've got Austin Corbett, the guards, younger guard, athletic profile we're talking about. You know, Ryan Poles wants guys that are, that are fast and athletic on the offensive line that play nasty. Ethan mm-hmm. Pochich is another good name. Ted Karras, um, the Patriots left guard and centre. He's played both spots. Um, Patriots offensive line is pretty good. So that's, again, they're well coached. Good places to look. Ryan Jensen, for me, is... Um, I don't see enough movement up front from him. Yes, he's a savvy, clever, pain in the ass for everyone that he plays against. Um, yeah. He gets in people's heads. Um, but he doesn't move people off the ball particularly that well one-on-one. And he doesn't have the same seat. So people that I do like, uh, again, from the Rams, Brian Allen, uh, the young centre there that's hit yeah. free agency. And Billy Price, the guy that was uh, traded from the Bengals, missed out on his, in his you know, Super Bowl appearance with the Bengals and went to the Giants, who were you know, the Giants. So, so unfair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, terrible for him. But it, you know, he was going into his last year of contract. It made sense for them to solidify. He was by far the best offensive lineman on that team and he's a very good center. But so it, it's that, the Giants. Being the it best the player on the Giants is not the it's not it's not something to be proud of. 
Well, I mean, so I think most people would probably take Saquon Barkley. I mean, if he was available on, on uh, yeah, for free, they'd, they'd probably take a look at him. Or Odell Beckham Jr. kid, he did all right as well. All right. To the Rams. I'm saying currently, I'm saying being the best offensive <laughs> lineman, uh, that's like being the smartest kid in detention. Like, I don't know that that necessarily is something we, to be proud of. We are of the best. We are the best. We are probably sure. in detention as well. We, yeah, or else we should be. I think Billy Price, too, was somebody that, coming out of Ohio State, would yeah. have been a higher draft pick uh, had he not been injured. And I thought the Bengals made a pretty good opportunity. I thought it was a good choice to select him despite the injury concerns, but it took him some time to get back. Last year, it kind of seemed that way. So I feel like, okay, that is something – that is somebody to definitely keep an eye on. I will want to ask you, though, the two tackles that we drafted last season or the guy, the, the young offensive lineman, do both of those players, do Borum and Jenkins, do they seem like the kind of players that Ryan Poles wants? Now, obviously, Jenkins' attitude is something that Ryan Poles really wants. Yeah. But on the field-wise, are these guys going to fit into what they want to do? So for me, and, and, and this is where Draft Dr. Phil and I uh, frequently have conversations that get quite heated. Um, for me, looking at what – and I've spent a lot of time looking at Larry Borum's tape. I've spent a lot of time looking at Tevin Jenkins' tape, both as part of the pro- draft process last year and also uh, analysing them this year with the Tape Neverlies Network on, on the patron side. So both players for me have a perfect fit, but not on the sides that they're currently playing. So Larry Borum has great feet. He's not particularly, uh, based upon last year, physical and aggressive. He has mass and he has strength, but he didn't have the nasty attitude last year to go with it to sort of move people on that right side of the line. Um, also, the fact that, you know, you had Daniels on that right side of the line and he was trying to keep an eye on a rookie to one side and a centre who's a, you know, a UDFA on his left that struggled against power. So he didn't really get that much help from James Daniels because James Daniels most of the time was looking to his left to the centre to help out there. So Borum, excellent footwork, great pass sets, really long and strong. Put him on the left. For me, he's a left tackle. Tevin Jenkins played right tackle at Oklahoma State and was very, very good at it. Shorter arms, but fantastic power up front. You put him next to James Daniels or another guard, and you, you can instantly know on short distances to go, they're going to be looking to that right side and we're still going to move people out of the way because both of those guys can shift people. And and for my mind, you look at where you can make, okay, if we can't make all areas of the offensive line strong, let's make one strong side we know, okay, we don't need to worry about that side. Now we can slide protections to the left. Makes sense from that point of view, but it also puts the players in the spots that, that suits their physical talents and, and wherewithal. Tevin Jenkins has the nasty. He needs, Larry Borum needs to get a little bit of that. Larry Borum has excellent footwork and you know length that you can't teach someone. You either have it or you don't. He has it. Um, so And he works well as a zone player. So both of them. Um, I know Larry's, uh, Larry Borum's been working hard this off-season. He's dropping weight and putting on muscle and getting faster. He's working on all of that. Uh, Tammy Jenkins has been doing the same. I see no reasons why we should worry about um, where their arrow is pointed, you know, they're serviceable as it is now. They have the opportunity to be good players if they put in one spot, left there to mature. Yeah, do you feel a little bit better? Because last season it felt like Nagy had these two new players, and surprise, he didn't know what to do with them. It feels like there's going to be a better direction that Ryan Poles probably is going to be coming to a lot of the same conclusions that you are 
and being mm-hmm. like, these were these, this is where these guys should play, and he's not going to mess around with it. Well, um, the thing is with Ryan Poles as well, for example. So, so Matt Nagy, I'm not going to criticize him for not knowing what an offensive lineman looks like because all he's ever seen is the back of him, you know, as a yeah. quarterback. He's, he's never worried about what it looks like in the trenches and what that fits like. Ian Smith and Ryan Poles both know exactly what it looks like to be an offensive tackle and interior lineman as they've both played there. Um, you know, so there's a value in in physically knowing what the demands of the position are um, in terms of effort and, you know, seeing people hustle to fit the Eberflus hits principles, seeing what that hustle looks like, you know what that looks like. So I have much more faith in them saying, right, well, okay, okay, his arms are a little bit shorter. We can't really put him on that, on that left side because that's where all the premium pass rushes are. We need to protect Justin Fields' blind side. This kid has the length. He has the footwork. Let's put him over there. You're staying there. You're staying there. Worry about working on your craft in those positions. Playing right tackle, left tackle, right tackle, left tackle is going to help no one. Um, and that was a that was a theme with Nagy. He wanted to move everyone. You know, yeah. Tevin Jenkins first going back after a year out with injury. He's playing slot receiver in two snaps in a game. Slot wide receiver in two snaps as an offensive tackle. Absolute madness and chaos. But you know, and now we have people who who appreciate the position, value the position. And we'll build through that as as their sort of that's the building blocks. Can't protect the quarterback and you can't run the ball if you don't have a good you don't have control of that line of scrimmage. So that's going to be a focus, I think. So that's obviously going to be a focus. And wide receiver also will be a focus. Absolutely. Real quick, real quick, Allen Robinson, like I, as a fan, I want him to return. How realistic do you think it would be for him to be a Chicago Bear next season? I would be amazed if he wants to come back. I mean, he's been looking. Uh, the reason why he signed a three-year deal in the first place was because he wanted to hit free agency um, and get a, another another shot at the apple. He didn't see the Bears as a contender, and he's right. They weren't a contender when he signed for us. And he was the big fish in a small pool. He wanted to be on a team that had a chance to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that ambition has gone anywhere. Um, yeah. I, th- I think he became disenfranchised. I think he became disheartened last year. And that shows up on the tape. And it puts him really in a light that we've we've seen in previous years, you know, year one when he came, um, th- there was plenty of effort there as a wide receiver, as in as a blocker, as in running routes on air when he's not the main focus, you know, good camper, bring, you know, bringing along other receivers. He was the guy that was, you know, correcting where people's stances and lining up are. You saw all of those positives. Last year really was dysfunctional, and I think he was completely disheartened. He didn't want to be on the franchise tag he didn't really want to be at the Bears as we weren't a contender I think if he feels we are a contender he might want to resign but I think realistically he's, he's going to take less money to go to a contender than he would be so you know I'm, I'm thinking the Patriots make sense because they were yeah. close last year they need a good wide receiver he fits that bill he also fits that scheme you know Mac Jones what does he do he throws people who can run good routes and get there to the right spots at the right time he throws dots to them that's what his wheelhouse is so if I'm Alan Robinson or his agent, I'm thinking, yeah, knowing the Patriots looks like a good idea. Am I, do I want the Bears to be interested to drive the price up? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the more people competing for your, for your services, the higher the price goes. So it, there's a chance um, whether we have the cap flexibility to put all of it into a guy that we saw last year and the fans saw last year, they're going to be on his back as soon as he doesn't put effort in one play. He knows that. Yeah. And, and that relationship, I think, for me, has soured probably too much. Um, yes, he's a professional. Yes, he'd be able to turn that off. But 
does he really want to or does he want to go somewhere where he's going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl next year? He's like, you know, 27, 28 yeah. years old now. I was just – when you were – I was just going to make the joke that, to enjoy Buffalo. But either one of those, Buffalo, New England, I think New England – you know what's weird is I have an inordinate amount of Patriots gear. Just from the GMFB characters that I play – that I yeah. had like all this Boston gear just for the whole thing. Like we do the guy. So if I had to go out there and make them purchase me an Allen Robinson Patriots Jersey, uh, it is what it is. I will wish him well. I will be a fan of his. Uh, if he signs with any 30 other franchises, I will continue to be a huge fan of Allen Robinson. And I would still be a fan of his in green Bay. I just wouldn't be happy about it. Who are though? Some of the ideal wide receivers that could possibly join the Bears this year. Obviously, guys like Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, already taken off the market, which in Mike Williams' case, I think that benefits us because I think that that was a player that we needed to spend a lot of money on. Michael Gallup looks like he's going to re-sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Who would be some of the guys that you would be looking at free agency-wise? So I'll give, I'll give you some names. They might not be um, what people would call flavor of the month names. They might not be necessarily the high-ticket names. If you're looking for a sort of a number two to go with Mooney, if you think Mooney can become a one, then, then Juju Smith-Schuster kind of fits the bill there. Juju Smith-Schuster is also a really good run blocker at the wide receiver position. He doesn't get enough credit for that. So he's going to help out the run and pass. You know, solid hands, athletic enough, good route runner, not a particularly sexy name. People aren't going to sort of go, oh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Lay off TikTok yeah. maybe a little bit and focus on 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 the, on the field and we'll be good. But yeah, Christian Kirk is a guy I like coming out of Texas. Um, he's a Debo light for me, so Debo Samuel light. He's a guy you can use as an adjuster. So you can put him in the backfield. You can motion him out to the slot. You can put him out wide, uh, and that's gonna it's gonna show you where the coverage is going because if you if they think he's gonna be the focal point of the attack, they're gonna they're gonna show you what it is that they're gonna do for, as a defense. So it helps Justin Fields in that pre snap. Being able to adjust, so someone like him, being able to you know throw throw screens, throw slants, throw bubbles, uh, hitch and goes, and he became a better receiver downfield last year. Again, Christian Kirk wasn't really showing off to his best abilities in that Arizona Cardinals offense for me. Um, that sort of you know run and gun kind of offense. It's you need something that's going to scheme him open. Jakeem Grant obviously would be a good one to bring back. Not only from the point of view that you know he's fast as hell, but the return game, you've got to have that on your depth at some point. You've got to have a good returner. Yeah, we have Khalil Herbert, who's a good returner. He's a second running back on the team. But it wouldn't wouldn't be hurt to bring Jakeem Grant back. He showed me a lot last year, particularly the last few games. Uh, Zay Jones is a guy that people aren't talking about enough um, for me. Yeah. Has, has the size, has the speed. Um, became a really savvy route runner last year um, in that that Raiders offense. You know, again, that's a West Coast offense. Derek Carr, it's all West Coast offense, so he fits the scheme. It would make sense to take a look at Alan Lazard. It would make a sense to look at you know Marcus Valdez Scantling, um, Equinemius and Brown because of their familiarity with Getzi. Getzi coached wide receivers there for a while. Uh, Traquan Smith is another name Janoko knows. Um, former Vikings wide receiver yeah. went over to the Saints. Good possession receiver for that sort of, you know, the West Coast run precise routes and be dependable when you're catching the ball. Those are names I, I like. You know, all of those are, are names that I would certainly take a look at. And, yeah, maybe they're not true number ones, but I think you're going to have to get your true number one with the 39th pick if you're not going up. And I think this year you'll be able to do that. Do you think, though, sometimes when I see coaches – bringing in players like MVS. I don't think that's a guy yeah. who moves. I don't I don't know. For me, it just doesn't move the needle 
what am I missing? What I is the familiarity and and familiarity with the system is that more important than I'm giving it credit for? It is important, but it, the the other thing that he has that you can't you can't coach into someone is just absolutely ridiculous speed, great length. Great size, great jumping ability. He was the downfield receiver, really, for the for the uh, for the Packers. Sorry, I hate saying that word. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I mean, yes, he has his share of drops. But equally, some of those drops are Rogers putting the ball in a position where he's not going to be throwing an interception. When he, he likes throwing the ball downfield, and he throws the wide open ball downfield really well. Yeah. Apart from that, he's looking for Adams. You know, at the end of the day. Now, if he's under pressure and he has to throw the ball away and he's got a chance of you know, Valdez Scantling perhaps making a play, he'll put it to the safe side of where Valdez Scantling is, go make a play. He's not that alpha wide receiver. He's a guy that is going to be able to stretch the field. They're going to have to honour him in coverage. You can't put a Danny Trevathan on him as we saw last year. Right. You, you put Danny Trevathan on him in the slot, he's going to burn you. Um, you put a safety on him, he's probably going to burn them. So, again, if you can stretch the field vertically and horizontally, you can't cover all areas of the field as a defense. So that for Justin Fields as a processor and as a passer, having that on the field, yeah, you might not get a 1,300 yards from him, but he might open up six, 700 yards for Mooney, you know, or oh. 300, let's say 300 yards for Mooney. By stretching the field, you, you've got two fast guys in the field. It's hard to cover than one fast guy. That's that, true. That's, that's the value of it. No, I get it. I get it now. I I'm just trying to prepare my tweets so when I have <laughs> to defend when I have to defend this move because it's like ah because I was sitting I was on a I was on somebody else's podcast earlier this week and I'm like I don't want MVS, uh, but you know it's because it, it seems too easy. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I think there is no substitution when, for speed. I, I when you're playing chess, you can't just have bishops. You yeah. have to have pawns, you have to have knights, you have to have you know, rooks. You have to have all the different parts on the board to be able to to outwit the defense. So that you know, Valdez Scantling is a piece. He's not the queen. Yeah, you know? he's, he's not Devante Adams, but equally, he's a piece that you can use to to your advantage to either dictate the defense or if they don't honor him to throw him the ball. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm trying, yeah, I, I always try to approach it that way too and look at the, the, the big picture of like not everything is, like, it's like the way baseball used to be played uh, yeah. before the launch angles took over where it's like, yeah, you know what, actually stringing together a bunch of doubles actually hurts a pitcher's psyche more than the home run ball. Because a home run, you just kind of like, okay, I gave up a home run, it's time to move on. But when teams are constantly hitting singles and doubles off of you, that wears on you mentally. And I think if the Bears start approaching their receiver room that way because i I'm, I'm an advocate an advocate of like finding some of those guys zay jones is interesting to me because i do like him yeah. i was also thinking about two guys that come to my mind i mean i'll be curious to get your take on them. uh said wilson who i thought that with the cowboys i thought he did some nice things i, and I have I really, him on my list and i i like the the physical attributes of auden tate that when people were talking about mike williams i was always kind of of the mind of like instead of paying a premium price for Mike Williams. I think that Auden Tate can kind of give you something similar at a much discounted rate. Yeah, I mean everyone's already talked about DJ Sharks, so that's why I haven't gone there. Auden Tate, yeah, I've yeah. heard you talk about you've I've heard you talk about him before. You know, two years ago he showed he could play. Um again, he was a piece in a team that was in a dysfunctional state 
at that point. So you're not seeing the best of him. But but equally, he's again, you can't teach size. Strong hands with Auden Tate, good body control. So if you if you don't have an Adam Robinson on the field, you need someone who can has a great catch radius that mm. you can throw a back shoulder ball. You can throw it you know a yard and a half out of bounds, and he's still going to be able to get his toes down and catch the ball. Auden Tate is that. Um, you know, it's like almost like a hybrid tight end, if you will. You know, if you want to move yeah. him into the slot, get him on a Smurf DB, um, <laughs> out muscle someone, he can he can give you that as well. He's not going to burn anyone off the off you know off the field. He's not going to give you um, wow plays. He's going to give you first downs. Those yeah. are important. So yeah, oh, yeah, you need to have an order to take. The, oh, yeah. the, well, I, well, I, I got to be honest, I got to be honest with you that I, I I should thank you for the compliment so much that you you watch the shows enough to know like. I've already covered Auden Tate enough, but I just really wanted to hear you say, listen, I want you to validate me. Cedric, but I also, Wilson, Cedric Wilson's I, the one I'm going to give you props for because, because hey, you, Bears fans should remember Marty Booker. Yes. Faster, faster Marty Booker. Yeah, so, that, great call. Great call. Yeah, <laughs> Cedric Wilson, fa- faster Marty Booker. Oh, that's amazing. I never thought of that before. That is perfect. Yeah, I mean, I, I love him. I and mean, it's, again, a name that people aren't – baying for on Twitter from all the various different teams. So yeah. it's probably going to be value. So yeah, absolutely. Cedric Wilson, well, I am down for him. Yeah, I think um, exactly. And I think that uh, what, we are, what we're talking about here is, again, thinking about the wide receiver room as a whole and mm. thinking about all these names. And I know that every time we sign one of these guys, if we sign Zay Jones or Cedric Wilson or any one of these guys, we're going to get roasted on Twitter. People are going to make fun of the team. But again, I just, you know what? You got to look at all the ingredients that go into that deep dish pizza and not necessarily like focusing on the broccoli or whatever. Like, yeah, that, that, that's part of it. It'll be, it'll be a part of something that we deliver and we're trying to, to surround Justin Fields uh, with as much available talent as possible. And I think that uh, bringing in these guys to the receiver room would be huge. Now, I do want to shift gears here for a moment. Sure. And let's talk about the draft. A little bit. You do a great job uh, of breaking down the draft, and at some point, I'm listen. You're the smart kid in class, and I've got to eventually just start cheating off of you. I'm like, let me just go see what Berlismo. Whatever George is saying, it's, it's a group effort, Adam. It is. You know, what? it's it, it it's honestly one of the things that drove uh, Chris Collinsworth to purchase Pro Football Focus is that he found himself, and I used to work with Chris Collinsworth. Is he would I remember him bringing up this site before, like, hey, the He's like, what do you know about pro football focus? I'm like, oh, you know, they're good. Like they're, they do a night. He's like, yeah. He's like, I always find myself being spot on with them. So then eventually he just went out and purchased the company. Similarly, I always kind of feel like, yeah, I go, George knows what he's talking about. Like, I'm like, how do like, it's, it's always the thing, like why I throw a name out to you. But like, what do you think of that? This, like, this is why when you didn't mention Auden Tate, I got scared. I'm like, whoa, did he, did he not think he's good? But I, <laughs> we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Like he's not a superstar, but he can come in and be good. But um, so similarly for the draft process, uh, you've done a great yeah. job over the last number of years. And I know that you've prepared some stuff for us here today. And uh-huh. uh, I feel bad. I, I want to make sure that I'm giving it enough deference and respect. I need to give you a huge runway because you've done a great job. What if, uh, let's start. Where do we start? Do we start like you did a real, like you did the mock draft. You did a first round mock draft. Am I not mistaken? Uh, did all seven rounds mock draft. But All yeah. seven. Who do you? Yeah. Gosh, so amazing. Do we? Uh, do we have a look? Can we look at the first round? Do we have that yeah. capability? 
Yeah, sure. It's up on screen here. So this is, as you can see, it's the sick podcast mock draft that is especially for this show. Now, the only one I'm actually picking for is the Bears. So these are automated picks based upon the Draft Network who do a great job, a great resource. Go and check out the site. This is the premium side, so you can actually click on individual players' names and it'll bring up like a full breakdown of what they're about, the games that the, the analyst has watched, etc. It gives you loads of information and even stories about them. So it's great from that point of view. But even if you're just looking for positions, when you're actually doing a mock draft, you can just click on a position and you'll have everyone listed there. So you can take a look at them. You can go off on YouTube and take a look at the players. But all of these are all automated picks. It's interesting. These are names that everyone's sort of pointing out. I think the Jets here getting Evan Neal. Uh, yeah. Super, super athletic offensive tackle. He would move over to the left side for me. And the, the kid, the absolute behemoth they got a couple of years ago would move over to the right. That would make more sense for the Jets. That's actually a good pick for them. Lions, it, yeah. going, Lions going with the best safety in the draft makes sense for them because since they traded theirs away, um, you know, it's been it's been a problem for them. Um, Giants getting better on the offensive line certainly seems to make sense to them in a, in a draft that is not particularly strong. Uh, the the Washington gerrymanders um, get the uh, source gardener. He's a great pick for them, the cornerback. Um, so we're, we're literally going through round by round. Chris Olave goes at the end of the first round. That's a name that potentially you might want to go up for. Obviously, familiarity with Justin Fields is something that you can't underestimate. Drake London's a name that's going up the boards at the moment. Again, very fast, tall, um, rangy wide receiver who's got a massive catch radius and can just simply bully people. So these are all you know, a lot of good value here. Garrett Wilson going before Chris Olave doesn't make sense to me, but Not at I, all. Do, I do understand why you know teams might look at him. The Patriots getting an underrated safety makes sense for the Patriots because Patriots are going to Patriot at the end of the day. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> Into That's the why, second. Yeah, when they yeah. do, uh, when they did a JC, like JC Jackson is now going to hit the free agent, uh, the free agency. It's just like, yeah. I, it, it doesn't matter. They've been doing this for generations where these guys just are like, ah, whatever. Who was JC Jackson two years ago, two, three years yeah. ago? No one yeah. knew except the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots seem to do that a lot. Um, yeah, into the into round two, and we're actually sort of looking. We came up to round pick thirty nine, and I was amazed because um, the draft network valued Christian Watson out of North Dakota State again, another unicorn. So big, fast, tall, yeah. rangy. So you made this you made this Bears pick, and you went with with Pickens. George Pick George Pickens. I mean, you want to talk about an absolute alpha as a wide receiver? I think you've got a graphic for him that you can maybe throw up on screen so people can see what he physically looks like. But George Pickens for me is. Um, a true number one wide receiver. He runs fantastic routes against zone, particularly. Lots of teams play a lot of zone against mm. Justin Fields because they have to respect that he could run to any area of the field. So one of the reasons that teams don't particularly like running man against the Bears is firstly, zone, you can confuse people with looks and you can do match coverages in zone, which again, kind of looks a little bit like man pre-snap, post-snap becomes zone. That's confusing for the young, young QBs, generally speaking. But the zone defense actually just keeps our defenders in areas of field. So if he's going to take off and run, you'll at least have a chance for somebody to make a tackle against him. That's why the Bears saw a lot of zone. Plus, zone when you don't particularly have great wide receivers and you have a chaotic offensive line. Unless you can trust the wide receiver and throw to the spot, which, again, we didn't have that because he didn't have the preseason he didn't have the you know preseason games, yeah. Um, so he didn't build up that trust with everyone, anyone apart from you know Jesse James, third team tight end, <laughs> um, J- 
Jasper Horstead, fourth. Jasper Horstead, yeah. But, you know, they, these are names that he built up his trust with, and and um, and the one guy who actually went out of his way to work with Justin Fields before and after practice as well as during, which was Darnell Mooney or Darnell Mooney eight. Um, so putting George Pickens there, uh, a true number one wide receiver, and he had some injury. Believe. He had some injury concerns though, right? Yeah, he was injured last year, but again, he's a he's a very um, athletic, physical guy. Came back as well at, towards the end of the season. Um, didn't run at the combine. Will I think he is running at Georgia Pro Day, so it'd be interesting to see what he does there. But you watch the tape, and and as as we say, you know, the tape never lies. Yeah. Um, you watch the tape, and he's an absolute alpha. Go and watch the Michigan game where um, they were. They were yapping at him from the sideline and the cornerback was giving him some jip. And he just goes up and just blasts him off the line of scrimmage. And then he just goes to the sideline. Yeah. That give, was... me that kind of, give me that kind of player. That's but what, it... you know what? That's that's what I want. I want kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, I kind of want dicks out there. Not like yeah. doing reckless, like not dirty stuff. Alpha but... dogs. Yes. Like that's what we need. That's exactly yeah. what we need. Um, with that type of attitude, do we have the do we have the the Bears picks that you did? Do we have those, Sammy? If not, we can talk through it. I'll look at, but, I can uh, show you these. These are the best picks. All right. Yeah, so that's uh, and the, this is that's third round. Again, injury concern, but again, a, a wide receiver who's very underrated from the point of the fact that he's savvy. He's not a guy that's going to amaze you. You put John Mechie in the slot um, as yeah. a wide receiver. You put him in the slot. And he's he's a guy again who's going to be able to run against zone and at a third cornerback he's going to make mincemeat out of him. Physical as well as a good route runner and underrated hands as well with John Mechie. So he was great value at the seventy first pick for the Bears. I didn't do any trades in this mock at all. I just let it run as it was. Um, so I declined every trade offer. If you could get uh, both those guys, yeah. With your first two picks and not have to make a trade, I think that's definitely worth it. And I think last year, you know, we saw like when when Tevin Jenkins fell into the draft, like it's possible these guys fall. And then I really do believe, and I love, I love Pickens, but I really do believe that if we ended up with Mechie, that at some point during the season, people will start talking like, is he the better receiver of the two? Like the is the Bears third round pick? Like that'll be like a little buzzy like storyline thing, because I really do honestly believe he can come out of the field right now and start producing at the NFL level. And I think that. I, th- I think when, when you, when you've got George Pickens, John Mechie and, and um, Darnell Mooney, you've got the three musketeers there. So it's a bit of a three headed monster. Cerberus, the three headed dog that guards against hell, um, you know, spits fire at people. You've got George Pickens who's now fucking run against man and zone. Brilliant. Um, excellent catch radius, super athletic, physical run blocker. John Mechie, physical run blocker, very savvy route runner, very clean in and out of his breaks, very dependable hands. Darnell Mooney, stretch the field, you know, just completely outrun people. His start-stop abilities, second to very, very few in the league. Torrey Kill kind of start-stop ability, acceleration. Yeah. He's that kind of level. Um, so to have those three and then whatever it is that we get out of the free agent you know, market that we're going to have as as vet wide receivers to teach them and show them the ropes. Um, I think it's great that you're going to have, if in this scenario, you've got George Pickens, John Mechie and Darnell Mooney all trying to outdo themselves on the field. So when it comes yeah. to blocking, Darnell Mooney's a great blocker. John Mechie's trying to out-block out him. George Pickens is out trying to out-block him. 
you, you think David Montgomery's not going to be happy with that? Or Khalil Herbert's not going to be happy with that? Or Justin Fields, when he takes off on a run, is not going to be happy with that? Of course he is. So to have three guys that are all very similar mentality, different shapes and sizes and speeds, um, again, it's more for the defence to think about if they all perform the way that they could. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going with guys, you know, big programmes, not a problem. Playing in big situations, not a problem. Yeah, playing, love yeah, play, Playing in big games, not a problem. Um, being counted upon to produce when there's nothing else there, not a problem. You know, they've already shown that, the guys that I'm picking. So that's, uh, again, just absolutely fantastic value because of the injury last year. Um, he's going to be fit when he comes into the season. You, you give him all the pre-season reps because if you've got veterans, veterans know how to play. So yeah. you know what they are on tape. So you, you, early on in the in this process, you give them the time, you work on them, you know, keep them in one position, use that the veterans that you can move about, use them in that capacity, and, and the Bears prosper as a result. Let's take a look at some of the other picks that you did. I know we're we're coming towards the end of it here, but uh, Cam Jurgens is the guy that you have us selecting at the one hundred forty seventh pick. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about him, Beef Jerky. So I mean, people who have watched He's, the combine. He, like, like the he he was a he was a star of the combine for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and the thing is, when you when you watch his tape at Nebraska, um, you want a center who can hold at the point of attack one on one against a defensive tackle or a nose. He can do that. But what he is 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 quick and athletic and aggressive. So when you're running zone outside zone, you need a, a center who can at the point of attack shock someone off the line of scrimmage. Guard takes over. He goes down to second level and goes and absolutely. You know, absolutely cream somebody. Uh, Cam, J- Cam Jurgens does that for you. And um, obviously, Linderbaum is the centre everyone's talking about. Nebraska, yeah. Jurgens for me, is not, it's not too dissimilar. You watch the tape, not too dissimilar. And again, has played in some against some pretty good defensive fronts and and held it very very well against them. So yeah, love love him as a player as a as centre. I think centre is a point in, in need as well. Um, yeah, whether he plays centre, you could probably play him at guard as well. But I would put him at centre. Uh, James Daniels one side, and you know if you're going to get a guard in free agency, then you potentially look at post June first. Um, Cody Whitehair, a dependable guy that can go somewhere else as a trade post June first, or a potential cap casualty. He's in decline for me. His uh, his feet have gone dead compared to where they were. Again. You know, good campaigner, not a problem in the in the in the locker room, good in the uh, positional room, but his physical play, like we saw with Carl Long, gets to a certain point, the wheels fall off underneath offensive linemen sometimes, and I'll see a little bit of that with Cody White. Hopefully, he proves me wrong, and it was just an injury he was carrying or something yeah. that we didn't hear about. But for me, the wheels are kind of falling off a little bit for him. He's on the sort of the downside for me. But again, a post June first potential trade away if you've got the position fixed on the interior. Uh, we do need to upgrade from what we saw from Sam Mustafa last year. Sam Mustafa outperformed his expectations, has been a re- you know dependable um, in terms of effort, has been there, but mm-hmm. can't move people one-on-one and struggles with combo blocks. So um, when you're going to run the scheme that we're going to run, it, it is a problem. You have us uh, addressing the defensive line two picks three, later. Three tech, three. yeah. Yeah, uh, Thomas Booker. How do you feel? So obviously, this is a player that you feel uh, very strongly about. Yeah, he's again a guy that performed very well at the combine, and it shows up on his tape at Stanford. They kind of played him as a, a five tech defensive end. They even had him standing up rushing sometimes, uh, playing like a, a seven, a, a wide edge. 
Um, so he's a guy that, that Stanford moved all over the place. But for me, I'm going to bring him inside. I'm going to have him as a three-tech gap penetrator. So your job, uh, Thomas, is, is to get into that backfield as fast as possible, disrupt the interior of that that, def- that offensive line. And that's the job you're going to do for us. Very strong physical hand usage, um, good base under him as well. He can take on the double block. He's, he's sensible in the, the, the techniques that he plays, the uh, the past, the actual blocking systems as well. Like he knows how to run shoulder. He knows how to get skinny through a hole and he knows how to play a double. So a guy, again, that you can sort of day one, you can say, okay, push for a position to start. Yeah, we're not expecting you to start. You know, get in the NFL program in terms of the weight and the strength and all the rest of it. Push yeah. for a starting place. Yeah, I and I don't know if this is too superficial. Whenever I can see somebody from Stanford, I always I don't know. I just I always am really drawn to those type of players. I just feel yeah. like, you know, I think well, not and it, I obviously Stanford's a great school. Uh, I'm trying to send my kids there, even though they're six and three. But whatever. Um, right. But David Shaw like runs a good program, and he's limited with the guys that he's able to recruit. And yet, this is still a team that's perennially. Uh, in the top 20 or top 25 and they produce good pros. And so I see him falling to that spot and I'm like, that, that's, that's pretty good. That's I, I think that's a good. Great value. Yeah. Great yeah. value. I mean, I mean that there as well. I mean, if you're thinking about, you know, we're, we're going to be a four, three, are we going to move to a three, four? Are we going to have to you know play him inside? Are we going to have to push him outside sometimes? You've got that versatility, versatility with him because he's done it. So, yeah. and yeah, very well coached defensive line. That's, that's one of, one of the things that Stanford does do. They work from the trenches. That you know they want guys who can move people up front. He he is that, but he's he's athletic as well in terms of being able to run and chase and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I like the fit. I like the value there as well. Good player for and us it, to pick up there. And then with the final pick, Kalen Barnes, the cornerback, is uh, I got to be honest with you, I'm not super familiar with him. Uh, tell us a little bit more about him. Uh, fastest DB ever at the combine, run a four two three. Um, He's a guy that, that you can see there is skinny on the Skinner side. You know, was yeah. a track athlete in high school, um, ran one of the fastest hundred meter times for his age group when you know in, in down there in Texas. Um, quarterback for for Baylor, as you can see. But I actually like the way he plays the ball in the air. He, he has the confidence to be able to let people get a yard on him, knowing he's going to be able to catch up. So it looks mm-hmm. like it's open. You know, man up, playing man in trail, which is running behind the guys he runs downfield. You can leave a yard on him and know that you can still catch him up. And the QB's thinking, oh, yeah, that, guy, that guy's open. And you see it time and time again on the tape where he's, he's sort of he's leaving the gap, baiting a throw, and, and then the throw comes and he's either going, he's getting a hand on it, or you know, he had a couple of picks as well there down in Baylor. Um, mm. A willing tackler as well at the point of attack. He's going to have to get bigger, but you know, in terms of like kick return ability, in terms of that that seventh round, you're looking for guys who are going to be able to fill on your teams as well. Um, so he's someone that could push for potential starter at yeah. some point when he gets physically, you know, a little bit more rocks up in the NFL system. But he's a guy that, in terms of coverage ability in man, coverage ability in zone, playing the run in the exterior, plenty of effort with his tackling, ticks all those boxes, but incredibly quick we need to get quicker on defense that's one of the issues that we have struggled with but i'm very very bullish about thomas graham jr as a potential starter starter corner what would you do with thomas graham would you put him in the slot 
Or would you try to put him out wide? No, he's a he's a boundary corner. In a cover two system, he's a guy you can leave on the outside. He's super smart, and he's a very good uh, player of zone and man coverages. So he's a guy that you can – a coach on the field kind of player. Mm-hmm. But in terms of his, his physicality to come up and hit people, he'll do that all the time. Good blitzer on the edge, uh, you know, from the boundary. But he's a guy I'm not going to worry about leaving him, you know, with over-the-top help leaving him underneath. And he's a guy that is savvy enough to know from the tape to bait mm. throws again and switch from his zone and go and make a pick somewhere else. And that's something we haven't really had since, you know, a long time. The early Carl Fuller was that yeah. guy that could, that could yeah. do that. But um, for that's me, good. Thomas Graham Jr. has more upside as a coverage player than, Tom, than Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller, far more physical. Um, Interesting. You know, rare, rare physicality at that position. But again, Cover two fit, Thomas Graham Jr. for me. You would you look, then... If you looked up cover two corner, that would be the picture. Okay, and then would Barnes end up translating on the NFL level to a a a slot corner or somebody who can get who can stay with those guys as they're going deep? Yeah, so it, you'd, you'd look at Cannon Barnes as a matchup guy. So whoever the fastest receiver on the field is, you go and mm-hmm. put him over the top of them. And then you, you have the versatility because you've got to have the smarts with Jalen Johnson and Thomas Graham Jr., you have the smarts there. So you say to those guys, you're going to trail, but then either man up or zone wherever you are. So you have to know the coverage. Kalen Barnes, just literally follow that guy wherever he goes, follow him, <laughs> stick on him. Yeah, make it look like he's open until the ball's in the air and then go and pick it up. Yeah. And so early on, that's what you get to do. But as he gets physically you know, bigger and stronger, then he potentially pushes for a one by the time we have to worry about uh, Jalen Johnson's contract. You know, hopefully Kalen Barnes, if he's in the Bears, has been working in the weight room and he's been getting bigger and stronger and, you know, the physical side of the demands of NFL-level football and he's ready to take over as that, that starting corner at that point. You know, two years left on his contract at that point. And it's always it's always about looking at the big picture and look at where these guys fit and these guys not coming in and necessarily being the next Richard Sherman this season, but eventually, you know, developing into players uh, the Bears can rely on uh, in the future. I don't know why I went with Richard Sherman. He played at Baylor, but whatever. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Weird. But uh, but in any event, I, I hope um, – listen, I, I didn't want to write – we got through so much information here. I feel like we uh, short shortchanged you a little bit, but I definitely want to do this again at some point. We really do appreciate you uh, joining us here on the show today, being our guest. Where can everybody – and I know that everybody, likely, if they don't follow you already, I say this all the time, this time I really mean it. If you don't follow Berlissimo, I'm personally upset. I take that personally. Uh, but how can everybody keep up with you and, and what you've been, what you got going on? I appreciate that. So if you want to just keep up with me, then it's at Berlissimo one on Twitter, um, and you can also follow at the Tank Never Lies Network. Um, sorry, TTNL Network on Twitter. I think is the handle there. Um, that's where I am in terms of Twitter presence. But if you actually want to look at the breakdowns and things that we do live, we get all 22 tape. We actually put it up on screen. We interact with our audience. We answer questions. We actually pull up bits that you're looking at on the field. Um, we actually teach and, and show you the tape and try and widen your perspective as a fan. For $7 a month on Patreon, go to the network.com You will see both of my shows there on the Patreon side. So I'm behind the firewall of the Tank Never Lies Network. But um, we do um, X's with the O's with Coach Atoshin, a Hall of Fame um, high school coach from Connecticut, uh, Draft Dr. Phil, and 
you know, sometimes it's myself, but I always pull the tape for those guys. And then draft mob, we absolutely nailed the coverage last year. Do fant- you know, do draft mocks, etc. Um, do those live again, interactive with our audience there. Um, you can go seven bucks a month. It doesn't. It's not that much for you to cost. Get all historical contact and anything else going forward, and you're only tied in for one month at a time. So it's down to you. Yeah, you can go pay for the Paramount Network and go watch old episodes of the Real World, which isn't going to do you any good. Or you can spend a little bit of money, get smarter about football, and go watch Berlissimo go out there and do his thing. Well, George, I want to thank you very much for being here today. Hopefully, we can do it again in the near future, and I'm sure we're going to see in the chats. Uh, moving forward, thank you so much for everything. I'll be in the chat tonight, so I'll be uh, anyone starts giving me grab, uh, giving me uh, any jip, and I'll be uh, I'll be answering them in the chat tonight. But thank you for letting have, having me on. I'm looking forward to coming on again. Well, thank you Better. so much. There he goes, the great Bellissimo. And again, go follow him on the Tape Never Lies Network. I'm telling you, go make go go pay the money. And I was going to wrap it up with something about being cool on social media, but I got to bounce. I got to do some other things. We've gone over an hour. I know our producer Sammy keeps telling me. It's like rank. It's like don't go over an hour anymore. Go go forty minutes. Do what you got to do, and then bounce out of here. But listen, we get a guy like Berlissimo in here. We're gonna let him. We're gonna let him do his thing. I could have cut him off. We could have not gotten into the draft. I could have tried to do a two for one. I don't know. Maybe we'll do that again sometime. But listen, I thought it was very important to get that information out there. I hope you uh, all appreciated it. Want to thank everybody who who uh, leaves comments, like, subscribe to all this stuff. Make sure you spread the word to everybody. If you know somebody who's a Bears fan, tell them to come watch the sick podcast with Adam Rankin. Of course, go to the Tape Never Lies Network as well. And a lot of these great Bears podcasts that are coming out. So for me, for Bellissimo, for Anello, for Sammy, that's going to do it for us here today. And why don't we roll that animation and we'll see you Tuesday night with Dave Kluge. Until that time, bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.